Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, Episode 7. On BitcoinAverage.com, a millibitcoin is trading at 63 cents, which is the same as $630 per bitcoin. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining us today as we podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lyd Shaw. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love to talk about Bitcoins. And share what we learn with you, the listener. Welcome to the show and thanks for listening. In the first of two shows from our trip out west to the Texas Bitcoin Conference, we feature interviews with some of the great minds and innovators of the Bitcoin community. First, we sit down for an information-packed interview with Anthony DiOrio, Executive Director of the Bitcoin Alliance of Canada. Anthony talks to us about Toronto's Bitcoin Decentral, exciting new tech innovations, and Bitcoin Expo 2014 coming up in April and featuring Bitcoin's own Andreas Antonopoulos as the Master of Ceremonies. We also get to speak with Kyle Kurbegovich, the charismatic host of our favorite video podcast, Cointalk.ca as he tells us about the Ethereum project and his involvement in this exciting new technology. Then, believe it or not, Lidge takes off his shoes and goes for a run with the Bitcoin runner Jason King of Bitcoin Across America, who at the time of the interview was 1,150 miles into his run across the country from Miami to San Francisco, California. We also talk with Tony Gallippi, the founder of BitPay, about his partnership with Shopify and some important tips on how to create a Bitcoin zone in your own town. And finally, we had the great pleasure of meeting and shaking hands with Andreas Antonopoulos, who spoke to us about the importance of the arts in our ever-expanding but tight-knit Bitcoin community. So stay right here for more from Bitcoins and Gravy. So on our trip down to the Texas Bitcoin Conference, John and I had a great time, and we got to use Bitcoin for the entire journey. The whole thing, man. Bitcoin all the way. I know. It was pretty cool. We bought our plane tickets on CheapAir.com. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see, we stayed at the Hyatt Regency Lost Pine using a giftcard.com. Beautiful place. And I think I had to break out my credit card about twice to buy two cups of coffee on the whole trip, John. I'm pretty sure you had more than two cups of coffee, Lidge. Well, anyway, here we go. Are we in the right place? We're trying to find the uh, the technology and conference center for the Bitcoin convention. Is this the right spot? Uh, no. What are you talking about? What? You don't know? We're in the wrong place? Uh, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Bitcoin conference? We're, we're really in the wrong place? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh. She's pointing that way. No, you go on to the paddock. Take tunnel two and follow the signage to the paddock. <laughs> Last question. What is a paddock? Find paddock. <laughs> it's where the garages are for the cars. Cheers. Hey, thanks a lot. Have a blessed day. You too. Buy low, Bye. sell high. <laughs> so here we are. We've just pulled up. We are at the Circuit of the Americas, which is a giant race car track. I mean, this is ginormous. It looks like we've shrunk down. Honey, I shrunk the Bitcoins and gravy hosts and just mm-hmm. dropped them in on a huge Hot Wheels set, like the world's biggest Hot Wheels set. Dude, this ain't Nashville anymore. No, we're definitely not in, <laughs> it's big. Not in Nashville anymore. It's big. Everything here is big. Look at the big vehicles. They are big. big. And so there's this giant thing that looks like it came out of an old, you know, 60s Mission Impossible film set <laughs> and uh, where they're going to fool us into thinking that we've just bought bitcoins and then the whole thing turns out to be a ruse in the end, always paid actors. But anyway, this is it. There's a sign here. It says Bitcoin, buy and sell here. And we're parking our cars and then we're getting gussied up and going on into the convention. We got to find out if we got passes waiting for us here. They're supposed to have some special press passes for us. Oh, oh, hey, hey, John. There's Anthony Diorio right over there. Let's go interview him. Lidge and I are thrilled to be talking to Anthony Diorio here at the Austin Bitcoin Conference. Anthony, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you. Anthony, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm the executive director of the Bitcoin Alliance of Canada. I am the co-founder of Bitcoin Decentral Accelerate, which is an accelerator program that just launched today. 
in Bitcoin Decentral, which is a 5,500 square foot building in downtown Toronto that houses uh, multiple different businesses, a uh, co-office share space for uh, Bitcoin and next generation cryptocurrency 2.0 technologies. And the accelerator space is going to take up two of our floors where we're going to have nine different companies on a three month period pushing them through to develop next generation Bitcoin ideas and concepts, uh, things like apps and things for Ethereum, things like projects for MasterCoin, all the next level Bitcoin. It's all about decentralized, so it's not, you know, it's not Bitcoin central, it's Bitcoin decentral. Is that going to be a main topic of the uh, Bitcoin Expo coming up here in April? So we're putting on the Bitcoin Expo in Toronto at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Ethereum is going to be our platinum sponsor. Uh, we're going to be doing a hackathon similar to what's going on in Texas here, and the focus will be on next level cryptocurrency, just like what they're doing here. And we're hoping to use hackathons and things like that to funnel in teams into our program. So we're going to be offering, you know, anywhere between twenty and thirty thousand dollars to teams to come work out of our space. They're also going to get a bunch of perks as well from that. And we have a massive mentor list. So we've got the who's who in the Bitcoin space that's going to be mentors. We've got Eric Voorhees, Andreas Antonopoulos, we've got the guys from Open Transaction, the guys from Mastercoin, we've got Charles Hoskinson, Vitalik Buterin, uh, we've got a ton of guys, Tony Glippy from BitPay, that are going to be offering mentorship to these, these teams in their different fields. We've got some lawyers, we've got accountants on board. They're going to have to go through this whole list of achievables in a three-month period, and then we're putting them in front of VCs to hopefully continue on and invest in them, and then push them out and bring in new guys. Wow, and you guys are doing a hackathon here today, right? Yeah, well, I'm involved in the uh, judging of the hackathon. Ethereum didn't take part in this. We're focused getting our program ready and getting our project ready, so we didn't think it was the right opportunity for us to be involved in this one yet. But our coming out party for Ethereum is going to be at the Toronto Conference. Okay, so this is kind of a call for all hackers, and what would you say to people out there who have the tech background? Obviously, that's not me and Lidge. Yeah. And me <laughs> we're hacks, no, but we're not hackers. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to hackers out there? Come one, come all? Yeah, I'd say come up to the event in Toronto, start thinking of ideas, start making calls out to companies like Ethereum and MasterCoin, BitShares, Open Transactions, see what they're looking for, get an idea in your head, and then come over to Toronto and start trying to push out projects. Nice. Yeah. So uh, let's see, tell us about CryptoKit. That was one of the things you spoke of. Yeah, so CryptoKit is the first extension wallet. It's a Chrome extension wallet installed with one click of the Chrome store and it's the easiest wallet to set up. You move your mouse around, you got a wallet. No usernames, no password, no friction, no logging into web wallets anymore, copying, pasting addresses because the unique thing is that it grabs any address on the page, pops it into CryptoKit in a bulleted list and you select who you want to make the payment to. So you're no longer logging into a web wallet like blockchain or the other ones online, going to a merchant store, copying and pasting an address back into your web wallet. You open up the little extension on the right side of your screen. You stay on the site that you want to make the payment on. It grabs the address. You hit send. Very simple, easy to use. It also has encrypted PGP instant messaging built right into it as well. So you start to get a social network that's built in that relies on client-side storage. So we don't know any passwords to the wallet or to your system. Everything is stored client-side in your machine. So we're not responsible for what you're doing. We don't know your passwords. We don't want to hold on to your passwords. Only you know it, and it's stored locally. So when you're sending a message, encrypted message to somebody, it's signed on your machine, it gets sent encrypted up to them, and then they unlock it on their machine. And you get little notifications and saying, hey, you got new mail, and it's completely secure and cannot be uh, intercepted. Well, that's heavy. So um, it sounds like you're trying to take out the centralized trusted network out of the system of doing wallets. So rather than a cloud wallet, it's sort of like living on my own browser and the other person's wallet is living on their browser and we're doing the transaction directly. Exactly. Right? And it, well, the way it works is that we use a brain wallet system. Okay. Brain wallets are basically phrases or codes that you just store in your head. There's no file associated with it. So you can go anywhere in the world, install CryptoKit through Chrome, put in your phrase or your brain wallet there and you've got access to your Bitcoins. Now, do I have to have a brain in order to use it? <laughs> You'd have to be able to come up with a phrase that's not going to be uh, something that's not normal that's ever been written down. You can come up with something very unique. Like today I'm talking to the guys from Bitcoins and Gravy at the Texas Bitcoin Conference, and we're talking about CryptoKit. That's a phrase that's never been mentioned in your life. Right. I can take that phrase, go anywhere in the world, pop that into CryptoKit, and now you have full access to your wallet. We're also a directory for Bitcoin sites. So we've teamed up with BitPay and some other merchant providers where we offer a categorized list right inside of CryptoKit that you can see where to go spend your Bitcoins. And we verify sites. So a little icon turns green when you visit a site. It shows that it's a verified by CryptoKit site. Then we're going to have ratings. We're going to have like the Yelp that we want to do for Bitcoin right inside this little extension. So it's a really easy to use wallet, easy to set up, easy to make Bitcoin payments with. And it's really a phenomenal 
way to have a wallet rather than online or offline systems. Let me ask you this. There must still be some concerns about security. What are some of those concerns and how do you deal with them? Sure. So the least secure thing is actually web wallets. Extensions are pretty much like programs. You even have companies like LastPass that do password management systems that have extensions. So it's extremely secure. It's more like a program that's running on your computer rather than a web-based system. So in terms of security, extensions are very secure. Even companies like LastPass or password management system use extensions to secure people's passwords. So it's actually more secure than even web wallets. And all the information stored on your local machine never sent anywhere. So the password just stays on your machine. And what we're doing now is we're actually implementing and we've designed a a hardware wallet watch which stores the private key on the watch only it creates and stores it there and never leaves the watch and you need to connect with Bluetooth to our extension and it signs a transaction so you actually have to be connected with your watch in order to send funds from your wallet is that like a form of two-step verification exactly that's what it does so you need the device itself you need to be connected through Bluetooth and then you need to put a pin in so it offers that multi-factor authentication, and that'll tie into CryptoKit, and it'll tie into any other wallet system as well that we can do. So instead of needing offline computers now, you're going to have this watch that you can wear. And then we can also use the system here to actually log people into websites too. So no more having to remember passwords or usernames. As long as you're connected with your watch to Bluetooth, it knows that you're connected and can log you straight through. Just like when you have like Facebook, when it says log in with Facebook, mm-hmm. you could log into the Mantra One, which is the name of our watch that we're making, and you don't have to do anything. You're still going to have a brain wallet, right? right? (laughs) No, you don't need a brain wallet for the password thing. Oh, you don't? No, because you're using our encrypted messaging system, keys. That key will be stored on your watch, and that's actually what you need in order to log in. I see. Yeah. Nice. Now, is there any danger if somebody steals your watch? Well, they'd have to know the pin as well, and it's also made that if you were to try to break open the watch, it actually disintegrates. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice, man. This it's is like, James Bond stuff, It's like right? Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission Impossible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so right now people are using offline computers, and they're wasted computers that never touch the Internet, and that's how they sign transactions. So it's basically this, this brick that people are using, and they have to go buy a computer and never let it touch the Internet, and that stores your private key, and you have to sign a transaction via a USB key from your hot computer to your cold computer, then bring it back over. This will make it very simple because it connects through Bluetooth. Type in the code, send funds. That's a lot cheaper than buying a computer. Nice. So if I understand you correctly, you don't even need to buy a computer. You could go use the one at the library as long as you got the watch because you can still use any browser to send and and receive from your CryptoKit wallet? Yeah, so what you do is you usually have a hot computer, and then you have the cold computer. The cold computer stores your private key. The hot computer initiates transactions, and then you have to take it to your offline computer in order to send funds. So that thing is very secure. It stays somewhere that you know no one can get into it, and it doesn't touch the Internet so that you don't have to worry about any viruses or any key loggers or anything like that. So you still need your hot computer, but all you need to do is just be sitting at your desk. It's automatically connected. I guess what I'm asking is, do you need to own the hot computer, or could you use any browser on any hot computer? Yeah, you can use whatever one you want. You can go anywhere in the world just with that watch. Install CryptoKit, put your brain wallet in there, and sign transactions, or do your password management system. Yeah. Do you envision the watch being an expensive item, or is this something that's very affordable that just about anybody could get a hold of? Yeah, it's going to be probably, we're going to price it somewhere around 150 bucks. So less than an iPhone. Yeah, and less than a computer that you're going to have to get. Nice. So I know we're getting ready to start here, and you need to be there. I do the Toronto Bitcoin Meetup Group. we got about 700 members. We meet every single Wednesday. we get about 100 people. We do tons of presentations. We funnel people in through there. I've got an ATM, the first ever in Toronto, the first one made by a Canadian company. So it's the first Canadian-made ATM. i got six more on the way. So that funnels people into our business. We get volunteers left, right, and center that are helping us out with the expo. I've got teams back there right now getting things all prepared while I'm over here, and all volunteers, and people are just so passionate about this thing that's Bitcoin that's just going to revolutionize and change payments. Well, that's really cool. So we could see you up there in Toronto in, what, a couple of weeks, April? I'm hoping you guys come up. We're hoping to also. What are the dates of the expo? 11th through 13th of April, the Metrotronic Convention Center. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to be warm up there yet? <laughs> I think it's going to be what, it, what we're having right here in Texas, which has been, actually, it's pretty sunny right now, but it's been a little chilly. People want to communicate with you. Anthony, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, Adiori at BitcoinAlliance.ca. That's A-D-I-I-O-R-I-O at BitcoinAlliance.ca. Great. Hey, thanks so much for taking time to interview with us. Yeah, thank you very much, Anthony. Nice to finally meet you guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Lidge and I are here at the Bitcoin Conference in Austin, Texas, and we are here talking right now with Kyle Kurbegovich of CoinTalk. Kyle, welcome to the show. How's it going? All right, how are you? Thank you for bringing me on. So you've been doing CoinTalk for how long? 
Actually, Coin Talk is relatively new. We've been doing well. Everything is relatively new in the Bitcoin space, but um, we've been doing Coin Talk since December of 2013. We've got about 20 episodes now. We've been doing as much coverage as we can of all the conferences and、uh, starting to build a big following. So it's been really good. And you're a video podcast out of Toronto, Canada. So、um, we do video and、uh, we also do audio. So you can find us on like SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever、okay. you like. But、uh, our focus is video. So we do HD video. And、um, we're actually building a studio right now in Toronto out of Bitcoin Decentral, and that'll be basically our kind of flagship、uh, studio, if you will. So, what's the name of the place? Bitcoin Decentral. Yeah, Bitcoin Decentral, 64 Spadina. If we have any Toronto listeners tuning in,、um, and basically it's a co-working space for、uh, a number of companies.、Uh, the Bitcoin Alliance of Canada is there. Um, Ethereum will be partially、uh, based there. There's going to be a number of、uh, new startups coming into that space very soon. So. So, what got you started on Bitcoin as a topic? Well, I feel like a jerk in that sense because I knew about Bitcoin when it was three dollars. I knew about it again when it was sixty dollars. I knew about it again when it was two sixty-six, and then finally I bought in just under three、um, hundred. That's but, a little bit like me: buy high, sell low. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I、Don't、wish.、Sell. If if we knew how the market was going to react, we'd constantly be、uh, making money, right? So it's got to be an equalizer of sorts. But、um, yeah, so I got into the Bitcoin space.、Um, things have been rapidly evolving. I'm involved in a number of projects now, and just trying to make the most of it.、Uh, I just left my film job actually, because I come from the film industry, and、uh, so now I'm full time in Bitcoin and、uh, full steam ahead. So you know, I was just outside, and you showed up with Vitalik Buterin, and you know these other guys. And for me, having only seen you guys on YouTube or elsewhere online, it's like seeing these celebrities. You know, Andreas Antonopoulos and you guys, and it's just really exciting. Now, how did you? Happened to arrive with Vitalik and his crew.、Uh, well, I'm actually staying in the same room as Vitalik and、okay. Gavin, who are from Ethereum. Basically,、uh, Vitalik I had met in Toronto some time ago. I met him through Anthony Diorio, and then basically we went to、uh, Bitcoin Miami to do the Ethereum release of all the information. The explainer video that was shot. We're working on a little teaser right now, so、I'm, I've been the one who's been producing all of those. And basically, I'm handling the media side of things for Ethereum. So I got to know Vitalik probably、uh, known him for about a few months now. But he was one of the first guys in Toronto showing up to the meetups, and so he met Anthony, and then they've been kind of、uh, working together, you know, for quite some time. So being privy to seeing what's happening with Ethereum in the background constantly has actually been really encouraging. You know, I, I believe in the Ethereum movement. I think it's going to change the game, as it were.、Um, It's hard to say exactly what it's going to look like in six months, or, you know, or a year. But I think it's、uh, it's it's going to be a very radical shift. So, can you tell us a little bit about what Ethereum is? I mean, as a newcomer, I don't know anything about it. Explain it to me, if you would. Sure, I'm not a coder, so I'll do my best to explain it from the implication side of things. But the general idea, I always explain Ethereum by saying, well, what can Bitcoin do? Effectively, Bitcoin can send. Right. In order to receive, you need somebody to send. So, looking at the blockchain and looking at like a global ledger, effectively, that's、uh, been radical in the sense that we have Bitcoin and we can move money all around the world and you know all that sort of jazz. But that's not enough for the financial realm. That's not enough for、uh, multiple types of transactions or multiple services that need more than just send functionality. And so, Ethereum will be the platform, effectively, that allows you to create all sorts of metal layer principles that can. Uh, do all sorts of transaction types.、Um, Ethereum uses a complete scripting language, and so the idea with Ethereum is that you'd be building contracts, and、um, these contracts would be powered by Ether, which is the currency. So you could actually set up decentralized autonomous organizations or different protocols that are going to act in the market without any centralization. And as you pass Ether through them, effectively they'll execute. So is that something that's built on top of Bitcoin, or is that sort of its own blockchain network somehow?、Uh, that's it's not going to be built on top of Bitcoin, but it's taking some of the principles from Bitcoin and spinning them into something completely new. So the whole Invictus Corporation and Proto Shares and Bit Shares and all of that, colored coins, master coins. Do you feel like there's any competition that you all are having between these technologies to see who is going to emerge as the winner, or do you feel like it's something where all of these could come to fruition and all of these could work together in some way? I, for me personally, I can't speak for Ethereum, the the official team per se. 
I think that whenever you introduce competition into the market, it's an opportunity for businesses to thrive and really develop their service offerings. I don't see Ethereum as a direct competitor to anything. I think Ethereum is the first that's going to be using a Turing complete scripting language to create a whole bunch of new opportunities. A lot of the altcoins that we see could theoretically be ported over to Ethereum. And so as opposed to Ethereum you know, seeking out to destroy these coins, which I don't think is the case. I actually think that um, some of the altcoins that we see, and not necessarily master coin or colored coins, because they're kind of doing their own thing and they're they're generating new ideas. Um, but a lot of the altcoins that are typically considered pump and dumps might actually just migrate over to the Ethereum network, or we might even see an influx of new currencies. Um, as Vitalik says in the explainer video, uh, Ethereum is not an altcoin, Ethereum is 10,000 altcoins and a decentralized exchange between the altcoins. And so the core of Ethereum is essentially building the protocol layer uh, and a scripting language. And then from there, it'll be up to the world to decide how they want to enable and you know, utilize that technology. Well, Kyle, you've explained yourself as being a video producer that is kind of creating the teaser videos and a way for Ethereum to introduce itself to the world through your videos. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of trying to create a message for something that's as complex as, uh, as Ethereum or something that is complex that it might take a very smart programmer to truly understand what's going on, yet it takes somebody with a creative mind to be able to communicate it to the world? Well, one of the challenges in the Bitcoin space in general is taking advanced concepts and relaying them back at an understandable uh, rate, if you will. And so Ethereum has, a, and not necessarily a difficulty there, but that's one of the big challenges, is taking 2.0 principles from like the cryptocurrency 2.0 movement and handing them to people who are still trying to grasp the concept of uh, public and private keys. Yeah. Um, so our focus... I shouldn't say are, but my focus with uh, doing the videos is to hopefully uh, give people a foundation that they can understand, relate it in a relatable manner, and basically, if there's any questions, I mean, there's a Bitcoin Talk forum, there's a, a chat via Skype, there's all sorts of ways for people to get in touch and actually find out. One of the cool things about Ethereum is that in the wake of all these new coins coming out that have virtually no coverage, Ethereum is actually trying to at least put out videos, put out content, to be transparent and to encourage people to learn at their own pace. We haven't seen that necessarily yet with any coins. Um, there's been no videos for Bitcoin. I mean, there are now, but it wasn't coming from the Bitcoin team per se. It was all coming from vendors or from people that are involved in the space. So it's early to say, you know, what's going to happen, but... Uh, I think that people are beginning to grasp the workings of Bitcoin and more specifically the 2.0 protocol. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see how that plays out. So uh, if there are other people that may need help with their creative explaining of a complex process, can you let people know how, to, how they could find you as, yeah. a, as a producer? So uh, first and foremost, check out cointalk.ca. That's really uh, where I'm spending the majority of my efforts. You can watch the show. Like I said, we've got 20 episodes. My contact information is there, so it's relatively easy to get in touch with me. Um, or you can email kyle at cointalk.ca. And if anybody's looking for video work or any of that kind of stuff, I can accommodate that. So there's that element as well. Okay, and uh, I'm sure people are wondering, as I am, how long do you predict until we're going to be able to buy Ether? I want some Ether. I'm not the, the person to give you a specific date, but uh, rumbling on the, the street is that it, it should be in March, but I don't know for sure. Okay, how long till we can see one of your fantastic videos? Uh, there will be a video release coming at some point. Okay, <laughs> That's all I, I can say. I think the most important question that we should ask you is about your beard. You're sporting the woodsman's beard, which is very popular in Nashville right now. So tell us about your beard. The idea is that I wanted to have a beard before I was old, essentially. Like, I didn't want to be a 60-year-old with a long beard. I wanted to experience what it's like to have a beard as a younger guy. And it's been an interesting kind of case study. People generally take you as more responsible people. You get hit on by uh, older ladies, for example. <laughs> it's actually been really interesting as a, as a cultural case study. Wow. Um, I keep joking with people in person, and I feel like I'm going to put this on the record now, and I, I, I don't hold me to this, but pending the, uh, the price changes in Bitcoin, I might wait till it's 10000 a coin before I shave it. Wow. So if you watch Cointalk at Cointalk.ca, you can actually see it growing over the duration of the show, because I think nice. when I started, I, it was very, very short if uh, not shaved, at, or it might have even been shaved at the first episode. I so. think so when I first saw you. So, okay, $10,000, right? 
Don't hold me to that. Okay. <laughs> well, so if you are at $10,000 for a Bitcoin, you might find yourself with a significant wallet. Yeah, you could go have your beard shaved by Josh Arias, the Bitcoin barber in Reno, Nevada. Well, Josh, if you're listening, get those uh, trimmers ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. great. Hey, Thank uh, you. This has been great uh, talking with Kyle Kerbegovich with Coin Talk. And uh, Kyle, thanks for taking time here at the Austin Bitcoin Conference to talk with Lidge and I. Absolutely. It's been great. Thank you for having me. I love the song, by the way, Ode to Satoshi. If anybody hasn't heard it, they need to hear it. Uh, Go check it out on YouTube right now. Cheers. Nice. Thanks, man. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things ought to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain. Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain. Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Oh Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain, oh Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go. So uh, I'm here at the Texas Bitcoin Conference, and I'm here with Jason King, and we've decided he's, he's generously agreed to conduct an interview by going for a run with me. Yeah, let's see how long uh, talking and running works out, for sure. So Jason, tell me a little bit about what you're doing, and uh, you're, you're basically, uh, if I understand correctly, you're doing quite a lot of running now, and it has a lot to do with Bitcoin and helping people. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm doing what's called Bitcoin Across America, which is uh, I am running from Miami Beach, Florida to San Francisco, California. I started on January 26th and I'm about 1,132 miles into the run. Wow. Can I just point out for listeners a reminder that that's an awfully long way to run? Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous <laughs> amount of miles, actually. Um, so I'm averaging about 34 miles a day and I'm trying to break it into two chunks. Uh, I get up in the morning first thing. Uh, go out and run for a while, stop, eat with my family, hang out with my kids, and then uh, go to finish the rest of the distance for the rest of the day. Um, So would you typically be driving to a new location and then you'd sort of do a a loop run from wherever you are? Um, Yeah, basically I just run down the map and then um, my follow crew, which is my wife and children, uh, would come pick me up at the end of the day. Excellent. Um, Do you have anything you'd like to tell us more about the organizations that you're raising money for? Yeah, so I'm raising money for Sean's Outpost, which is my homeless charity that's uh, completely cryptocurrency-based. 
um, and trying to raise awareness for uh, the homeless epidemic in America. A lot of people don't realize that we have 1.6 million Americans that are homeless on any given night. And uh, in the course of a year, we'll have like 3.5 million Americans experience homelessness. And that's just uh, it's an astronomical amount of people. I understand that you guys have been able to raise quite a significant amount of funds in terms of the effect that they've had. You've been able to feed some astronomical number of homeless through this. What's that all Yeah, about? so we've, um, we've fed uh, like a little over 56,000 meals over the last year. That's incredible. Yep. All with Bitcoin. Oh, it's Bitcoin. And is the running across America a new fundraiser that you've just started, or is this something that's been going on for a while? Um, uh, we started on January 26th. Um, we're, I think I'll probably get to San Francisco last week of May, first part of June. Wow, it's going to be good weather for it, I imagine, when you get there. Well, I hope uh, the polar vortex goes away, because running through the cold is terrible. <laughs> um, what's the coldest day you've been out running? Um, so the last day I ran, uh, three days ago, I did 47 miles in 33-degree weather, which was absolutely terrible. <laughs> Were you going through any ice storms or anything like that? The ice had already come through, and uh, it had been raining, so there were ice and trees, so there was a really bad wind factor. So the whole day I was running, and just huge chunks of ice were just blowing down out of trees. It was, it was not fun. Okay, so when you're out there in that kind of weather, and you're, you're suffering through the elements, uh, how often do you find yourself thinking about the homeless people that have to put up with that same situation? Um, all the time, because, you know, at any point in time, I can really just quit if I wanted to, go back to a nice warm house. And I have that option. And, you know, 1.6 million Americans don't have that option. Yeah. I think about them a lot. Excellent. Do you need a, and do you need a pinch hit runner? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are times when I would love to have a pinch hit runner, but I think that kind of defeats the purpose. That's true. You can't really have a pinch hitter for being homeless, I suppose. Yeah. No, not at all, unfortunately. Jason, tell us more about what you hope to see happen as a result. Well, um, I hope to uh, I hope to raise some more money um, for Sean's outpost so that we can continue expanding our efforts to help the homeless uh, in Pensacola and to open some charters in other cities around the country. Any particular topics that you'd like to talk about? Um, you know, I'm just really excited to be here in Austin. I think the Texas Bitcoin Conference has been really good. I'm really happy. It, it, uh, it's very cool of Paul Snow and crew to have put this together for us. I think it was a very exciting event, and I think they're going to do it every year. And uh, I look forward to coming back. Where do you guys head to next? So I'll be back out on the road, so I think I'll be going through Houston because I actually have to sort of backtrack from here. How's your family enjoying this whole process? <laughs> some days it's really good, and some days they're like, Dad, why did you do this? <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about your family if you'd like to? Yeah, uh, so it's my wife, Leslie, um, who founded Sean's Outpost with me, and uh, my three children, uh, Josephine, Midgey, and Teddy, are uh, all along for the ride. That's great. So tell our listeners, um, again, how they can find you. So the run is bitcoinacrossamerica.com, and my charity is Sean's Outpost, S-E-A-N-S, outpost.com. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Jason. It was a pleasure. Thanks, man. I think uh, running and interviewing has been an interesting experience. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to check back with you again later and do some more running. All right. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Are you going to do a long run now, or are you going to just take a long run? Lidge and I are very excited today to be talking with Tony Gallippi here at the Austin Bitcoin Conference. Welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you fit in with the Bitcoin world? Because we know you're a key player. Well, sure. I've been around Bitcoin, I guess, since early 2011. I got introduced to it by my friend Steve, who I went to college with. Uh, He started mining it, and I started day trading it, and that's how we got started. This was early 2011. We found the forums and a community of people who had this new type of money, And they were very excited about this new type of money, but they were frustrated because businesses would not take their money. So I asked a couple of businesses, you know, why won't you take these people's money? It's lower risk and lower cost than every other form of payment that you take. Not only that, but you can immediately open up your business to a worldwide base of customers, right? Because it's on the internet. And they said, yeah, seems like a no-brainer, but we can't. We don't have the tools for it, you know? We don't have the software. None of our gateways or credit card providers or none of the tools that we have to take payments can take Bitcoin. So we don't want to write something special for one or two people to pay this way. And that's where Steve and I kind of sat down and and architected a system where we could build the tools for merchants to be able to take Bitcoin. And it's an interface that they're familiar with because it mimics kind of how they dial in to process credit cards. 
and uh, we launched it over the summer of 2011, and you know here we are today. Do you feel that BitPay and Coinbase are competitors or working to the same end? Well, I think we all have the same goal, and that's to increase awareness and adoption of Bitcoin. We tend to only focus on one thing. We just do merchant payment acceptance, and we do that, I think, very well, probably better than anybody else in the world. The guys at Coinbase are really good at helping people link up their bank account to buy and sell Bitcoins. That's the one thing that they do best. Um, They're starting to branch out and do some other things. When we look around the world, though, I think the real advantage of Bitcoin is that it's borderless. And so, you know, we just opened an office in Argentina and we're going to be opening an office in Europe. It's actually open now, but we're not going to announce it till the end of the month. And so I think we're starting to see companies really understand that this is a a global currency, whether it's backed by anything or not. It doesn't matter, right? It's the internet. It works anywhere. You can send money from here to China just as easily as you can send it to somebody in the same room. And that's what merchants are most excited about. Yeah, I think we're all working towards the same goal. I mean, we have a chicken and the egg problem, right? You know, merchants don't want to accept it until there's a lot of people asking for it and people aren't going to get excited about it unless there's businesses that accept it. You know, you got to grow both at the same time. I have a recording studio in Nashville. If I want to start using BitPay or start accepting Bitcoin, can you explain to me what that process would be like? So there's really three different ways that businesses take payments today. Either it's an e-commerce website where somebody's trying to fill out a shopping cart and check out. It could be a retail environment where you've got something at your point of sale. Maybe it's your iPad or your phone. Or you could also send people bills over email, right? You could be a freelance consultant or just itemizing an invoice and sending it to somebody over email. So we've got tools to help you accept Bitcoin in all three of those uh, situations. Uh, absolutely. You know, we'd be happy to set you up. And then you would have the choice whether you wanted to keep all the Bitcoins that came in or if you wanted to get settled in dollars to your bank account, we can do that too. We can even let you choose a percentage split on a little slider bar to determine, well, maybe I'll take 5% Bitcoin or 10% Bitcoin and the rest in dollars. And uh, we have some merchants that, that do that as well. And what kind of fees can Lidge anticipate paying? So the fees that we charge start at 1% and we go down from there. So typically, if you're a small business and you're taking credit cards, you're going to be paying 3 to 4% to take credit cards. And guess what? If somebody walks in your shop with a cashback or a rewards card, well, the bank isn't giving them the rewards. You're paying for that, whether you like it or not. So our fees start at 1%. We're substantially cheaper than credit cards, but you know that's our starter plan. And most people, once they get going, they actually switch over to one of our all-inclusive plans. And this is where you would pay us one flat monthly fee for the feature set that you needed, and then use it all you want for no transaction fees. And so we've got a small business, medium business, enterprise plan, just like a lot of SaaS companies do, but we're the first really in the world to offer SaaS for payments. And nobody else does it, and I don't think they can do it because they're all tied to the old credit card rails and interchange. Bitcoin being an open payment system is very unique compared to every other payment system that we have. Everything else is closed and proprietary. Bitcoin is open, and that's you know what gives us the ability to innovate on top of that and to offer unique pricing models that other companies can't. So I've read an article recently about how rapidly your company has grown over just the past year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we crossed our milestone, I think, in September of 2012, where we crossed over 1,000 merchants. In September of 2013 was pretty much one year exactly to the day later, we crossed over 10,000 merchants. Now we're over 26,000 merchants. So we've grown, uh, you know, two and a half times since that in about five months. And we continue to grow. We actually have five full-time people that are focused on the sales efforts of BitPay. Um, These are direct sales where we go after very targeted merchants. We have some salespeople that do a lot of the introductory work to get them onboarded as a merchant. And then we have our implementation team, which is also part of the sales group, uh, that actually gets them debug, troubleshoot, gets them testing invoices, gets them set up and across the finish line and ready to go live. One of the things that we just launched, well, uh, it was actually back in November, is a partnership with uh, Shopify. So Shopify is an online e-commerce platform. So you as a store owner can pay Shopify a monthly fee and they run your web store for you. They even have people that will help you upload your pictures and configure it, get it working. Um, They also have a point of sale device that you can actually use in your store and it's all tied to the same inventory system. So Shopify integrated BitPay into their checkout process. And so they have 80,000 stores that are on Shopify that sell something, whether it's online or, or retail or both. 
And so this is a technical integration where we do the integration one time, but then it becomes immediately available to 80,000 people. And I think that's more scalable is to work through some of those technical channel partners, figure out what are the point of sale systems that people are using? How do we get integrated into one? Once we solve that, how can we go out and get 30 or 40,000 merchants to turn on this feature? You know, we want to be able to go out to a coffee shop and spend a little bit of Bitcoin, go out to the local pub and spend a little bit of Bitcoin. But right now, what Nashville has one restaurant flight that accepts Bitcoin, you know, what advice can you give us and other people around the country, around the world? How do we approach other businesses and say, here's what you can do? How can we help get our local coffee shop to accept Bitcoin by way of BitPay? I think it starts with one. And if you get one business that accepts it, you can start to have your meetups there. You can start to bring your Bitcoin is there. So bring 20 or 30 people there as a group and all pay with Bitcoin. And then if you have other business owners that you want to target, just invite them to the meeting. Show them how it works and say, well, you can add this to your store too. And so some of your initial customers, meaning merchants, are the best ways to actually get more. And if you look at what they did in Berlin, for example, the one street where they've got all the shops in the one area accepting Bitcoin, right? It started with one. And, uh, and they all decided, hey, let's do this and, and let's make a tourist attraction, actually, because people will come in from out of town with Bitcoin if there's, you know, a concentration of things for them to do with Bitcoin. And I think that would be interesting. So if you start with one, you know, build a few more. I, I would call it like a Bitcoin zone, right? Find an area of Nashville that is trendy and try to work on getting a Bitcoin zone. It doesn't help you if you have five restaurants in the city, but they're all scattered, right? It would be better to have three that are all close together to create that concentration and help give an incentive for people to actually come in and visit them. And might I suggest East Nashville one more time, please? Yes, yes. Tony, it was great speaking with you. Uh, you do an excellent job of presenting this stuff and you make it very clear. It's, it's really nice to hear you talk about it. Great. Well, thanks. And you guys keep doing what you're doing and spreading the good word. We'll do it. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. So right on. We're here at the Texas Bitcoin Conference uh, on the floor, and we're here with Andreas Antonopoulos. Thank you so much. Well, it's a real pleasure to meet you. Uh, it's, you're, you're like uh, my superhero of Bitcoin, so it's really nice to meet you the first time. Mine too, Andreas, man. It's just great to see you here. Yeah, thank you so much. I really uh, enjoyed the, the song you wrote and uh, performed. It was a huge honor to get a dedication in that song. And, you know, I've been saying for a while that Bitcoin is more than a technology, it's a community. And every community needs the cultural components and arts, music, comedy, uh, all aspects of building a community and getting the spirit of the community. Because this isn't just about technology. There's principled action behind that. And getting that message out to people in the form of music is brilliant. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh, yeah, it was our pleasure. And, uh, you know, one of the other reasons that I mentioned you and uh, dedicated the song to you as well as to Pete Seeger is so that people hearing the song that maybe are not that familiar with Bitcoin, they would then hear that name, Andreas Antonopoulos, and think, well, I've got to find out who this guy is and what he has to say, because we don't have a better spokesman than you. Well, thank you so much. I mean, my, my secret is actually uh, to be uh, relatively lazy about my job. What I do is uh, I talk to as many people in the community as I can, and then I take their brilliant ideas ideas and their insights from the local community because the people on the ground, the people using Bitcoin every day in different environments, in different cities around the world, they know what Bitcoin means to them. And all I have to do is take all that information and write a rough draft and give it to a highly talented editor and magic happens. You know, the trick is get a great source and get a great editor and do as little as possible in between. Nice. Of course, we've also heard you interviewed live and like you're doing right now. And again, it's just the words that come out of your mouth are just like gold. And I think we're not the only people that feel that way, right, Lidge? I mean, I think that's universal at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you that, um, you know, bit Bitcoin being built on a community is what it's all about. Yeah. And I'm happy to be a part of a community where and you can be the spokesperson and we can be the comedy. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, this, this community is full of uh, uh, incredible people, people who are passionate, people who are committed, people who want to see change in the world. And every single day, I find myself in an environment where the people around me are much smarter than I am, and I can learn from them. And that's the best place to be for me. Do you mind if we ask you a kind of a silly question about uh, what we heard on the news today from the horrible rag called Newsweek about they found Satoshi Nakamoto? Could you comment on the silliness of that, in your opinion? Well, I've always thought that the best thing we could do is uh, leave Satoshi Nakamoto alone because um, 
first of all, he, she, or they explicitly tried to remove themselves from the public eye. I think it's irresponsible journalism and, and rather crass to go out and seek someone who has a uh, desire to remain anonymous and out them in such a fashion. I think that's uh, unconscionable, uh, especially since the, nothing good will come from this. I mean, here's a person who gave something to the world with no intention of profiting from it because nobody expected this to explode the way it has. And the only thing that will come out of it is that they are going to get smeared like the media does to anyone. Yeah, the problem with Bitcoin is that people have difficulty understanding that a decentralized currency and a decentralized asset ledger has no main actor. It has no authority. You don't have to trust anyone. You don't need to care about the motivations or incentives of the person who created it any more than you need to care who Euclid was for creating Euclidean geometry. You, know, you can still use it regardless of who created it. It's pure mathematics. I think the same thing applies to Toshi Nakamoto. So I would much rather that Satoshi remains anonymous. I have no idea if this person is Satoshi. I hope it's not. And, um, and I, I hope they're able to retain their anonymity and privacy because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. It makes no difference who Satoshi is. Considering the fact that Satoshi from the word go wanted to be anonymous, again, Satoshi being he, she, it, they, isn't it unlikely that Satoshi Nakamoto that we know, the inventor of Bitcoin, the internet protocol, isn't it unlikely that that entity would have called themselves by their real name? Well, who knows? I mean, you know, sometimes these things have the simplest explanation. The thing is that it, to us now, it all seems obvious in hindsight, and it's huge. But the reality of it is that when it was created, it was just an experiment, and nobody expected it. Even the people who were intimately involved in cryptocurrencies for 20 years. Um, I spoke recently, I did an interview with Adam Back, who's the father of uh, cryptographic currencies. He invented Hashcash, the proof-of-work algorithm. He was one of the people invited to mine with Satoshi in 2009, and he only bought his first Bitcoin in November of 2013 at more than $100. Why? Because even people who are within this industry did not expect it to succeed as it has. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if even Satoshi didn't expect this to unfold the way it, it did. And, uh, you know, I hope we leave the person alone. Yeah, so with your reference to Euclidean geometry, yeah. um, you're suggesting that uh, given a, a lever long enough and a fulcrum point that Satoshi Nakamoto could move the world or that he would not have chosen to himself personally? Oh, the, the world started moving in 2008 uh, and it's gaining momentum. And that bandwagon, if you like, is rolling. And there's absolutely nothing in my mind that can stop uh, probably Bitcoin, but certainly nothing can stop cryptocurrencies. So, you know, the world is going to have to adjust to a new reality, a reality where people have choice for currency. And in making that choice, all of those who are threatened by cryptocurrency will have to find one of two positions vis-a-vis -vis the bandwagon. They can get on board or they can get run over. Nice. And can I ask you real quickly about your travel schedule? You're traveling, I assume, all over the world now. And how is that? Is it taxing? Well, I mean, it's not taxing because I'm doing something that I love. Uh, for, the, for, the, for the first time or uh, one of the few times in my life, my uh, work and my principles are perfectly aligned. And there's nothing more empowering than that. I'm having the time of my life. I'm enjoying every moment of this. And it's so inspiring. It's so fulfilling to visit all of these communities and see how they see Bitcoin as a, as a force of change, as a force of good in the world. And so I'll keep doing it for as long as I can. I'm traveling a lot. I'm mostly trying to visit communities, especially in the developing world, uh, where Bitcoin can have its greatest impact. We live in a world where a small minority of the population have access to international finance, liquid credit, international markets, the ability to send international wires. The other six billion need this far more than we do. And so I think this will be uh, hugely important for the rest of the world. And we have the opportunity, even in simple ways with things like remittances, to uplift a billion people out of poverty now, not in the decade, but in just in the next few years, by changing uh, the parameters of sending money from migrant uh, and itinerant workers back to their families in the developing world. And that stuff has an immediate impact. It uplifts communities. It creates water and sanitation and education and healthcare in places that desperately need these things. So to me, those are the driving forces behind Bitcoin. And so I hope to spend as much time as I can visiting developing worlds, visiting the local communities and seeing how they're using Bitcoin to change their lives.
If you ever need a uh, musician to travel along with you and sing Ode to Satoshi, I'm there, man. Thank you so much. What you guys are doing is really important, and I applaud you for it. And I hope to hear uh, you perform live today at the Texas Bitcoin Conference. We'll be doing it shortly here at the lunch break. Andreas, thank you so much for joining us on the Bitcoins and Gravy Show, and we would love to speak to you again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be delighted to do that. Great. Thank you. Thanks a million, man. Hello. Hey. How may I help you? Well, we couldn't find the Bitcoin conference. We never found it. Really? Was there really one here this whole time? You know what? I think that's maybe next week. (laughs) You little rascal. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to get one back on you, you know, but you're too smart. (laughs) You know the game, right? We'll see you first thing in the morning, Paula. In the morning, in the morning. Paula Bell. Paula Bell. Very nice to meet you. John and Lidge. Nice to meet you, hey, John and Lidge. we have a radio show. It's called Bitcoins and Gravy. Really? Yeah, it's on iTunes. Okay. Go check it out if you want. Yeah. If you don't, it's fine, too. Yeah, and it's called what? Bitcoin? Bitcoins Bitcoin. and Gravy. Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee. Google it? Or? Yep. Yeah, you'll find it. You'll find it. And maybe you'll be on it. Who knows? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Paula Bell. Y'all have a blessed evening. All right, cheers. I'll you see too. y'all early in the morning. We'll see, see you then. All right. All right. Keep it safe for us. We would like to thank our guests on today's show, Anthony DiOrio, Kyle Kurbegovich, Jason King, Andreas Antonopoulos, and of course, Paula Bell for showing us the way. And a special thanks to Tony Gallippi of BitPay. To find out more, visit our show notes at letstalkbitcoin.com. Thanks so much for listening. We greatly appreciate your time and attention. Hey, Lidge, let's also give a special thanks to our friends in Southern California listening in on station KCAA 1050 AM. Tune in Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific time to hear new episodes of Bitcoins and Gravy. And make sure to catch more great shows from the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network airing all week right here on KCAA 1050 AM or download the podcast from letstalkbitcoin.com. Listeners can find our show notes at letstalkbitcoin.com as well as our tipping addresses there. And you can also check out the full cast of Let's Talk Bitcoin shows that includes one of our new favorite podcasts, Sovereign BTC, hosted by the ever well-informed John Bush. And if you have questions or comments, please email us at bitcoinsandgravy at gmail.com. And remember that Lidge and I will be bringing you back for day two of the Texas Bitcoin Conference next week, where we talk with more luminaries of the Bitcoin community. Thanks again to Adam B. Levine with the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network and our listeners for your tips, which allowed us to attend this great conference. And remember, now you can call the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. Call us at 615 615- 208-5198 and leave us a message with your comments or questions. That's 615-208-5198 on the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. That's right. Call today 615-208-5198. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and leave a review or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Tell us what you like or where we can improve. It's your reviews that help new listeners discover all the shows on Let's Talk Bitcoin. And it's your generous tips that allow us to create the show. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lyd Shaw. And you've been listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs>